Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Over the weekend, we watched on as Russia stepped dangerously close to civil war. Just 24 hours ago, the head of the Wagner Group, Yevgeny Prigozhin, had declared a rebellion after accusing Russian forces of firing on his troops. Wagner claiming a Russian helicopter opened fire on a convoy of their vehicles. The head of the Wagner Mercenary Group has called off an armed uprising in Russia. Was that whole episode what it seems? Today, we're breaking down the Wagner Mercenary Group's actions and where President Putin stands now with the war in Ukraine after his own man told the Russian people that the reasons behind the conflict are all a lie. But first, in news headlines for Monday, June 26. Former Labor leader Simon Crean has passed away aged 74. Crean, who served as a parliamentarian for 23 years, led the Labor Party from November 2001 to November 2003 from opposition. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese saying he gave a lifetime of service to his nation and in particular the Labor movement, being one of the architects of the Hawke government's industrial relations reform of the 1980s. Mr Crean was elected unopposed as leader in 2003 but faced continued speculation that former leader Kim Beasley would be making a comeback due to poor opinion polls. So on advice from his colleagues, he resigned from the leadership in 2003, the first Labor leader since 1916 to be replaced without having contested an election. Hikers have found human remains in a mountainous Southern California area where British-born actor Julia Sands disappeared earlier this year. Sands, who was an avid hiker, was reported missing on January 13 after deciding to head up to the peak of a mountain east of LA, but search efforts had so far turned up no trace of the star. The hikers came across the remains Saturday morning near Mount Baldy, calling in authorities who've removed them and are investigating whether they are the missing actor. There's cost of living relief on the way for many Aussies, with July 1st bringing a range of measures for the new financial year. Aged care workers will receive a 15% pay rise, childcare will be cheaper for many, and changes to paid parental leave will come into play. There will be electricity bill relief for some households and small business incentives to help eligible companies become more energy efficient. There are also measures to help people into the housing market with the First Home Guarantee and Regional First Home Guarantee, now including any couples beyond those who are married or de facto. It will also apply to non-first home buyers who haven't owned a property in Australia for the past 10 years. 
The Voice Yes campaign is handing out grants of up to $15,000 for events backing their side of the debate. In an effort to shift the Voice conversation away from politicians and into the community, the Yes 23 campaign will provide one-off grants of up to $15,000 to encourage further engagement and conversations about the importance of a successful referendum. Hundreds of events have already taken place across the country in support of the Yes vote as they fight against polling, showing support for the Yes campaign slipping from 51% to 46%. Disgraced NRL player Jared Hayne was reportedly scammed by a fellow inmate during his first stint behind bars. Ishan Sinar Abedin, who's doing time for stealing more than $4 million from friends and family in a Ponzi scheme, reportedly told Hayne and other inmates that he'd made millions investing in Bitcoin with billionaire Mike Cannon-Brooks, Hain allegedly handed over $780,000. The scammer was moved to another prison after the theft with fears for his safety. He's now under a higher level of supervision and has had some of his freedoms restricted. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Yevgeny Prigozhin has a nickname back in Russia. He's known as Putin's chef. How he came to be as powerful as he is now, powerful enough to be Putin's right-hand man in the war in Ukraine, isn't fully clear. But we do know he was sent to prison in the 1980s for a range of crimes, including robbery. He spent nine years behind bars, after which he started a hot dog stand business in St. Petersburg, Putin's hometown growing the business to expand into high-end restaurants, including one frequented by Vladimir Putin himself. Putin is reportedly incredibly paranoid about being poisoned, the elimination method of choice by many Russian authorities, both past and present. But in the early 2000s, when he went to Prigozhin's restaurant, he trusted the man and reportedly ate anything that came out of his kitchen. That friendship would blossom and give Prigozhin access to catering contracts that would make him a lot of money. In 2014, the Wagner Group of mercenaries started to become known as a somewhat covert operation that worked in other fields of war in other countries. Initially, it was made up of 5,000 men who came from Russia's elite army regiments and special forces. Moscow at the time distanced themselves from the group, and Prigozhin denied having anything to do with it. But when Russia invaded Ukraine and their expected quick takeover of their neighbour was instead met with fierce resistance, Prigozhin revealed that he was not only affiliated with the group, but the head of it, and he mobilised his men to take on Ukrainian forces with some success. With Putin's blessing, he scoured Russia's prisons for willing men to fight for their country in exchange for their freedom. And at one stage, it was believed 80% of the entire 50,000-strong force was made up of ex-prison inmates. 
According to information from US authorities, those mercenaries make up 90% of Russia's casualties on the front lines, but their persistence and brutal tactics, often accused of committing war crimes in areas they've taken control of, the Wagner Group started to show progress in a war that was meant to be over in days, but instead has now dragged on for more than a year. Yevgeny Prigozhin took credit for the advancement in the war, often taking to social media platform Telegram to boast about his success. But more recently, his video and audio rants on the platform have turned into accusations against Russian authorities, mostly aimed at the defence minister rather than Putin himself. Prigozhin accusing Sergei Shogu of not sending enough ammunition to his men in order to continue fighting. He would say Shogu's incompetence led to the unnecessary deaths of his men. They came here as volunteers and died so you could gorge yourself in your offices. Then, in early June, the Defence Ministry decided they wanted all the Wagner mercenaries to become part of the Russian military proper, so demanded they all sign a contract to bring them under their control. The result was on Saturday... Prigozhin announced that he would be marching his men from Ukraine across the border into Russia to advance on Moscow and the Kremlin. It was a blatant challenge to the country's military leadership. In a 30-minute video posted on Telegram, he explained that the Defence Ministry's reasons for launching action against Ukraine in the first place were a deception. A few hours later, Prigozhin announced that he had taken over the military's southern command inside Russian borders, just 500 kilometres from the capital. He then marched his men within 200 kilometres of Moscow as Russians were told to stay inside and roads leading into the capital were blocked off. Australians went to bed Saturday night wondering what they would wake up to on Sunday, only to find out that Prigozhin had struck a deal with the president of Belarus and had turned his men around. So what exactly happened here and what is the end goal of all of this action? John Blacksland is a professor in intelligence studies and international security at the Strategic and Defence Studies Centre at the Australian National University. John, did we really just come close to seeing a civil war in Russia? Yeah, it looks like it was pretty close, but everything in Russia is opaque. Nothing is quite as it seems. And I think there's a little bit of postulation and pontification, if you like, (laughs) going on there. You know, we know that Vladimir Putin is now in a more precarious position politically. He's had his key ally, the founder of the Wagner militant group that's effectively a mercenary group operating for the Russian state. It's done heinous acts of barbarism around Africa and most recently, obviously, in Ukraine. This man has come out basically saying the emperor has no clothes. He's declared that the war in Ukraine was not about Nazism and that NATO in Ukraine was not about to invade Russia. So what the hell are we doing? This is extraordinary from the man who's been amongst the most brutal fighters in the war in Ukraine. And then for this advance up towards Russia to then get turned off, it's really incredible to see what's going on. And I think there's layer upon layer of complexity because there's a couple of other key actors here. There's the Defence Minister Shoigu and the Army Chief of Staff Gerasimov. Gerasimov is famous in 2013-14 for the Little Green Men and for the Grey Zone Warfare that saw Russia occupy the eastern parts of Ukraine and the Crimea. 
and was fated as this kind of genius general whose genius clearly was fairly limited because he's been an abject failure in the last year and a half. And that, of course, is the dynamics behind the rise of Prigozhin, this Wagner mercenary group acolyte, friend of Vladimir Putin, who's then given centre stage to try and rectify things, but in the process has had this huge ego stoush with his military counterparts, getting backed by Putin, who doesn't want to at the same time be cornered by these military generals who might have too much power, so he's tried to clip their wings, but in trying to clip their wings, that is Shoigu and Gerasimov, the military people, he's given too much power to Prigozhin, and so now it all seems to be unravelling before our eyes. There is another theory being bandied around, and I know that when it comes to what is actually happening in Russia, we can only kind of... Only theorise. Yeah, that we know that maybe this might be a thing, but that Vladimir Putin is essentially looking for a way to back out of Ukraine because... It has not been the success he had hoped for and he can't see a way forward. And so by doing this, by making it the military's fault, that he could essentially pull his troops out of Ukraine and save face. Is there any truth to that, you think? It's plausible. It's as plausible as other explanations. And there is clearly a compelling internal rationale to that because Putin is between a rock and a hard place. There is no breaking of NATO resolve. And it's shocked him because Ade Mancini thought of surely that NATO would have splintered by now, but the opposite has happened. And he's also seeing Russia's military is being gutted by what's going on. And that leaves them very, very vulnerable because control of Russia, this state that actually controls a lot of other smaller states, is more precarious than most people realise. And in addition, the power dynamics between Russia and China have seriously eroded from the Russian perspective. Not only have the Russians lost credibility over their high-tech arms export industry, but the very power dynamics between Russia and China have You know, China was for a long time the more dominant economic partner, but Russia was seen as militarily its equal, if not stronger. The war in Ukraine has demonstrably showed that Russia is, if I can use that old Russian concept, the Potemkin village. You know, the idea of a facade that looks great from the outside, but behind it, it's hollow, it's rusting, and it's not functioning properly. That's the Russia of today. So, you know, it's quite plausible that the scenario you just painted, Claire, is in fact what's happened. We do know that Prigozhin has been close to Putin. And with the control of the media, it's quite possible that this could then just all be brushed under the carpet, you know, that no one will be allowed to talk about it, much like everybody had to talk about the war in Ukraine as a special military operation. They'll now talk about this as Prigozhin having, you know, seen through the inefficiency and incompetence of the military and he's been given an out while keeping Putin in check. But, you know, once again, this is all so opaque and one of the things that the Russians are really good at is what they call muskidovka, which is deception operations. Layer upon layer, the babushka doll, if you like, you know, you have to peel back layer after layer to get really to the nub of the matter. And this theory that we've just been talking through, Claire, is as good as any I've heard so far. Now, on Saturday, when this all started to really unfold here in Australia, looking at it from afar, there was all these people who were thinking, oh my gosh, is this it? Is this the end of the war? Is this a change in Russia coming? And then you wake up on Sunday morning and you find out that Prigozhin has turned his men around and walked away after some dialogue with the Belarusian president, Alexander Lukashenko. What happened? 
Yeah, that's a good question. It does seem a little bit orchestrated. It does seem as if Lukashenko has been given a special role to revalidate his purpose and to reburnish his own credentials as a bit of a peacemaker. And the deal depends on which theory you buy, but the one that he was trying to shift the power dynamics with Shoigu and Gerasimov at the behest of Putin or on his own initiative, it's still that dynamic has now shifted. But along the way, the morale of Russian forces in Ukraine can only have tanked as a result of this discrediting of the rationale for the war and the discrediting of the internal unity of Russia and the discrediting of Russia's governance and its sense of purpose and identity. So at this stage, of course, this is where Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, is in a position to exploit this moment of uncertainty and unease and, you know, questioning of their own purpose for being there. And that augurs very well for Ukraine, but I think we at the same time need to be realistic and not get our hopes up too high about how much Ukraine can pull off. So it's devilishly difficult to, you know, peer through the fog and the layer of complexity to really understand what's going on. Absolutely. I mean, how much of this do you think gets through to the Russian people themselves? I know they would have known something was going on because roads around Moscow were closed off. People were being told to stay inside and not to travel. They knew that something was happening. But how much of it do you think they have been told and would they have heard about what Prigozhin was saying about the reasons for the Ukraine war being lies? Would they know any of this with the media being so controlled within Russia? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, back in the Soviet era, when something like this happened, they put on Swan Lake and the Soviet ballerinas would be performing to try and distract people from what was going on. Now, though, uh, while there is a fairly high degree of centralised control, there's still YouTube videos, there's still telegram channels, there's still communications that happens in social media that enables people to get the word out. And word would have been getting out about how Putin's actions, his rationale is discredited, the purpose of the war is discredited. But Putin is really canny, and it's not inconceivable that he will, as this, you know, as this theory would posit, would use this to try and extricate Russia from its predicament and reset relations and just kind of bring this to an end. But I think there's some interesting reflections that we can make from history. We think about what happened in 1917, when just before the Russian Revolution, when the Bolsheviks came in under Lenin, there was actually quite a lot of turmoil and there was some disruption and some apparent stability, but it was short-lived. And similarly, in 1991, when Gorbachev was faced a coup and the military came in and helped, well, the military was involved in the coup and then other parts of the military were involved in blocking it. But that was not really going to save Gorbachev in the end. So things took a little bit of a turn, took a few days to work themselves out, a few weeks, I think it was. And essentially, Gorbachev lost office, the Soviet Union collapsed and imploded. So while this may be the theory that Putin's trying to operate on, get Prigozhin to take this, you know, extreme act to, you know, stage this purported coup to justify dealing with Gerasimov and Shoigu and marginalise them. But has he opened a Pandora's box? And look, we don't know, but there's a reasonable chance that what's just transpired was perhaps too clever by half, if that is what we've just witnessed. And this could just be the invitation for others to see weakness and to smell blood and to go in for the kill. 
Exactly what went down in the deal that turned Prigozhin's troops around is at this stage unclear. A statement from the Belarusian presidential office says it involved a security guarantee for Wagner fighters. Russia's security service has opened a criminal case against Prigozhin, accusing him of calling for an armed mutiny. Putin made a televised address accusing his friend of treason. But again, Prigozhin took to Telegram to explain the situation himself. They wanted to disband the Wagner. On the 23rd of June, we went out on a justice march. Within a day, we were just 200 kilometres away from Moscow. During that time, we did not spill a single drop of blood on our fingers. Now the moment has come when blood can be spilled. Therefore, understanding all the responsibility for the fact that Russian blood will be spilled on one of the sides. We are turning our columns around and leaving in the opposite direction to our field camps according to the plan. What happens next is, as with everything that happens in Russia, anyone's guess. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon. 